All right. When they said to me, Segi, I'm referring a case to you. I said, oh, yes, Father, no problem. But it's something different. It's something that you need to discern whether this is diabolical or a psychological problem. I said, uh, Father, I have a little problem. I've never had any training on the diabolical side. Psychology, yes, I have. But I cannot tell you anything about the diabolical in terms of other than what I have read. The priest then said to me, Segi, trust me, you will know. I said, all right, Father, I will do that. And guess what I did? I searched for in our diocese, there's a priest who's very knowledgeable about the diabolical, and I made an appointment, okay? <laughs> I'm supposed to be seeing a patient, and I'm making an appointment with somebody else. But I'm being honest with you. I honestly was saying to myself, what did I get myself into? So with faith, I went to see Father McAfee, who is in fact who wrote the prologue in my talk. Oh, thank you. You got it. Uh -huh. Except it's not projecting yet. Uh, and so basically, after I spoke with Father McAfee, I left his office with this much books. You know, he said, Segi, start reading. I said, my, 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 this is called uh, uh, learning by fire, you know. <laughs> you are, they push you there and you say, just swim, okay, just get it going. I said, okay, Lord, I think I'm over my head. So what did I start doing? I started going to daily mass. I started doing Eucharistic adoration. I tell you, I needed to get myself ready for what I wasn't so sure what I was going to face. And what is it that I encountered? Well, let me tell you a case that stood to mind way, way back in the early 90s. And I, I could not really, um, when I, I got this referral from a Protestant uh, minister, and I said to the minister, uh, why refer this case to me? Well, we, we heard that you are the one who, who can handle these kind of cases and help discern what's going on. I said, so tell me what's going on. Well, the patient that I saw actually was at a healing service. It's a healing service done at a, I think it was an Episcopalian church. Right during the time when she was being prayed over, she levitated, spans so fast. And then when she stopped, she crushed. And when she crushed, she actually was writhing and she was, her face was contorted. She was doing all kinds, she was saying all kinds of vile language. And they said, whoa. Then four to five men, I believe, held her down. She was so strong and so powerful that they really could not contain her. Then finally, so many people, of course, prayed over her. She eventually, quieted down, and obviously it's only after the fact that I was actually able to see this patient. That was just the beginning though. So 20 years after, what, what happened? Well, I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament, doing my useful holy hour, and I got this order. Write. I said, write? Lord, you're asking me to write? Yes, write about your experience. And I said, Lord, I haven't written a book, let alone publish one. <laughs> Would anybody even accept my, my book? I, I don't have a name to speak of. And so the inspiration came to me and said, bring your laptop 
sit before the Blessed Sacrament. And guess what I did? I honestly wrote the entire book right here in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I hope I did not scandalize anybody. <laughs> but I honestly had to do it because I had no idea what I was doing. So as a result of the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, little by little, the book unfolded itself. And I indeed, the chapters came about. And at the end, of course, I asked my colleagues who were very familiar with, with this field, my priest friends, my uh, uh, peer, for peer review, clinic, as clinical psychologists, as psychiatrists, to really get a handle in terms of, did I present the material well? And because of their input, I was able to shift chapters, and they told me that, Segi, if you're expecting people to, to not question your, 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 not only your license, <laughs> but where did you go to school, <laughs> is that do not start with very spiritual issues, because they have no idea where you came from, who you are, and what on earth are you doing writing a book about this. So the result of that, well, I indeed started first with more scientific approach. Try to challenge, could there be some other plausible explanation to some of these truly bizarre conditions that we encounter in clinical work? And from there, question the, the plausibility could, uh, of what other explanation could there be, and so forth, until I have all the clinical cases that I presented in the various chapters. Let me just tell you this. When you are working in this field, I have an enemy always lurking behind me. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually, it's my technological because everybody knows I'm not very techy. <laughs> and uh, here we are. Okay. Will somebody come to my rescue? <laughs> okay. All right. So, I actually mean that. All right. For those of you who work in this field, you know very well that the enemy is very unhappy. Is it the other? This is the one to use? Okay. Oh, okay, good, good. All right. Let's go back, please, to the next one. Okay. All right. Oh, good. And just press the next one. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. All right. So discernment, indeed, is very critical in terms of finding out what's going on with this patient. I had a recent referral in the state of Maryland, and the uh, patient was very insistent. I am possessed. Now, trust me, in my clinical work, people would prefer to be possessed than to actually be diagnosed as either psychotic, bipolar, has schizophrenia, you name it, they would rather be diagnosed with something as something diabolical. And they will actually demand I am possessed. And I say, I understand. I <laughs> <laughs> they are insistent. And in fact, this person was trying to unload all the history. And guess what? Because of the years of experience in this field, I started in the 70s in, uh, in an inpatient setting, so I, w I saw the worst because these are the people who really had to be hospitalized. 
And then from in the 80s, starting with the outpatient slowly, and then finally in the 90s and totally outpatient. I have what we call a set of clinical eyes. Then I see someone, I say, aha. And that, what was the aha? That was right in front of me. I had a schizophrenic patient in front of me. She kept talking and talking and talking and trying to convince me that she was possessed. Let me tell you, if you have to convince a clinician that you're possessed, something's really wrong, okay? <laughs> Nobody would want to be diagnosed normally, but there is usually a problem when they are so convinced they are otherwise. So psychiatric cases, what are the most common psychiatric cases that I encounter to be easily misdiagnosed as, uh, for, for diabolical? Psychotic mania. Psychotic, of course, depression, psychotic schizophrenia, and dissociative identity disorder, also known as multiple personality. Okay, so those are the very common ones. And as I go along, I will actually be giving you different examples of such cases. Now, of course, the spiritual element is, has to be discerned too, because because. <laughs> All right, because of the fact that we do have to make sure that, that, that the divine has to be separated from the evil, okay? Would you, would you do that, please? Uh -huh. Because it's not moving. Michael, show me where I press. Okay. Joe said you might have low memory or something. All right, so as far as the divine, let me just walk this way, okay? There are indeed different uh, uh, signs that I'm looking for. Let me give you a classic example that came to my attention. Please forgive us for all this disruption up front, okay? But I had a referral from an out-of-town priest all the way from Ohio. And he said to me that this person who's being referred to me has what we call very spiritual gifts. I said, tell me, Father, what type of spiritual gift are you referring to? A gift of prophecy and uh, all the different kinds of having inner locutions. I said, all right, I understand. So, all right, good. Uh, that's okay. If we can go to the next. Right here. Yeah. Right here. Uh -huh. Yes, please. Uh -huh. All right. So, the individual came uh, to me, and I was... Our office have, happens to have um, what we call a lot of glasses. And as a result of that, I can actually see the patient who is still registering before they actually see me. So I have a way to figure out what's going on with the particular case. I looked at the case and what did I see? A woman in short, short, really mini skirt, midriff with tattoos, and I said, whoa, this is a spiritual person. <laughs> I thought myself, something is wrong here. There's a disconnect here, okay? Because you don't expect a holy person to come across that way, would you? No. So, oh there, thank you. That's spiritual. Okay, so what are some of the signs of divine spirit? Well, number one, the person is obviously being truthful. People who are indeed are holy, are very, very much, very uh, much inspired by the Holy Spirit to be truthful, to be honest, the docility, 
you will notice that this, the, what you have encountered, I'm sure, either through television or through some other uh, events, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, there's a sense of docility about them. A sense of, of course, the purity of intention, patience in suffering. They're pretty much exuding light from within. Okay, For, uh, some of you may have encountered some holy people. There is something uniquely different. There's a serenity that's projected and there is like a light from within. And so this particular patient that I was describing to you was a totally opposite. Not only did I see a person through the glass window, a person in mini, mini skirt with tattoos and hair standing up and <laughs> colored in a weird way, I thought, okay, is this the right patient that the priest referred to me? I'm really, really curious. So then I called her by the name that I was supposed to be, the person was referred to me, and she responded. As soon as she came into my presence, all hell broke loose. The person started moving as if she couldn't really hold herself. She actually, her eyes, her pupils started going in circles. There was no control. And then the vileness, the wrath that came from within of a voice that will give you the creeps. Okay? It was... <laughs> I am not kidding. When you see a possession case, there is no denying. Right, Father? Oh, okay. <laughs> right, Father? <laughs> and so, as soon as the voice came out from a guttural sound of really vile cursing God, I said, whoa, I do not have a holy person I was looking forward to meet. I have a possession case in front of me. Just like any other patient, I treat them with such respect. So I guided her very carefully into a room where I have about that much padding on the floor. And the reason for that is in case they bang their hand, you know, I actually have to protect them. And I have another uh, table there that is all potted in case they, they you know, they, there could be some erratic movement and you really have to guard the patient from hurting, uh, the patients from hurting themselves. So as a result of that, as I was describing earlier, you will notice that the demonic one, there's deception, there's obviously disobedience, these individuals are adamant. They will do it their way, not your way. You think that they are the doctors and not the person, the clinician, all right? They are very demanding. They're full of pride because they think that they are very special, that they have this uh, special gift of prophecy. They can be very violent. That's why I have to always keep my distance because even though I'm caring, I am not also going to be letting my guards down because anyone can get hurt, including my staff. There are, of course, some rebellion, and of course, just like you know very well how Lucifer fell, there's indeed that total defiance of God, the desire full of pride, and it's just going to be their way. All right? So now, let's go to the next one. All right. So... Well, since it's actually not wanting to cooperate, let me just keep going. So back again to the patient that I was describing to you. As soon as I brought her to the room, she started, she fell on the, on the floor. 
and there there was all these contortions our whole face actually changed before me the face was uh, it's it's not it's still human but it's also contorted if I if we can picture what I'm saying okay and that indeed the eyes were they're very the eyes really are what we call the windows to the soul because through the eyes I was really able to say oh this is totally demonic and the vile the awful terrible type of words coming out which obviously no one of I hope no one in this group ever repeat any of those kind of words but they are definitely you will know if you were if you are actually if you were to visit a public school sometimes i really really wonder what's going on in those public schools because very sadly very much coming out of the words of those kids as i walk down the hall are nothing but all these profanities and it's very sad because indeed a good number of the kids i've encountered in in, in those schools as a result of my need to, uh, I, was, I was taken there in terms of a referral to check on, on certain conditions of a particular student. Really, it, it really makes me sometimes very uncomfortable in going to certain places. Now, what are some of the signs of um, diabolical attack? What are the different levels also? How many of you happen to have been beaten by ticks? Oh my, 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 there are many of us who have been beaten by ticks. And you know very well it's not a localized, if you don't pay attention and you did not treat it immediately, it's not a localized problem, it becomes a systemic problem, right? Some of the patients that I've had actually become so ill, they cannot even get out of bed because there's a fogginess of the brain, they have grueling headaches, and they have all kinds of joint pains. And so, so Lyme disease is not something to be lightly taken either. Neither are diabolical cases. Can you put it? Okay, it's okay. Can you all see it even though it's smaller? Yeah. All right, good, all right. The first level is what we call infestation. The evil happens to be in your environment, but it's not directly attacking you. I have a very funny story that was shared with me by uh, Father Ma McAfee. He was out with the boys, and the boys wanted to actually see a movie right in the house where they're having this event. And of all things, the kids wanted to watch The Exorcist. Whoa, guess what happened right in the middle of the, while they were watching the movie? The kitchen cupboard opened up. All the all the uh, <laughs> the plates, so everything you could imagine, started flying in the air, and it started getting smashed against the walls. And guess what happened? Everybody disappeared. <laughs> Not a single soul left in that room watching the movie. And father did not know. No wonder that house was so cheap to rent for this group of teens. It was infested. There are a lot of bad things. Only after the fact, you know, the people who rent them to you don't tell any stories like that, do they? Or else they will not get their, those houses rented. So, indeed, there was infestation in that house. And I, I'm sure most of you have heard about, what, what, are, what do they call those homes? 
haunted homes, yes, yes, or haunted rooms, okay? I had a very funny uh, story from <clears throat> Fredericksburg where I have an office and the, the, the head of the uh, volunteer department said that it's hard for them sometimes to keep volunteers. And I said, what's the, what's the problem? She said to me that a volunteer would go down the step. There happens to be a two-level, a very, very historic uh, home that they converted into a museum. And right whenever someone would go down, not every person, by the way, but a few of those volunteers would go down and would open the door. And as soon as they open the door, they'll say, whoa, what's going on here? Everybody happens to be attired like the Confederates, like during those times. And they were drinking, they were smoking, the, the room was filled with people back during the Civil War. Immediately, the volunteer would close the door. I didn't see that, did I? Did I see that? And quickly, the volunteer would go upstairs and report it. And as soon as everybody came down, there's nothing there. And since this happened over and over again, it was really hard for her to keep the volunteers because they're scared to death of that particular museum. And so that, again, is the first level. The evil one is in your environment, has not directly attacked you. The second level happens to be oppression. Now, this time, the evil one has attacked the person. Okay, so if you compare it to the um, ticks, what did the ticks do to you? <laughs> they hang right there. And can you just do it? If you caught it early enough, you can do that, but not if you didn't catch it early enough. They really latch on to you. The same with the evil one. The evil one is not easy to let go. Because I'll tell you later on why. Because you open the door to the evil one. Maybe knowingly or unknowingly. All right? The next level now happens to be obsession. This time, there are now physical symptoms that cannot be explained medically. All right? In this particular case, the individual happens to have already sometimes some really very, very bad abdominal pain. In fact, one patient that was sprayed over in one of the uh, 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 parishes, uh, one of the parishes in uh, Northern Virginia, the individual was sprayed over and what came out from her? Really gross stuff came out of her. It's, it's like... I, I am in the medical field, I happen to be a nurse, and so I have seen all kinds of weird stuff that would come out of people, and they're not usually very pleasant. This one was gross, not gross in terms of medical, but really unusual. And after she, took, she vomited everything, suddenly this person was changed. She was normal as could be. And so there are indeed individuals who have some partial infiltration already, and then finally, the full possession, which I'm very sorry to say that I don't think this is going to get any better. As this country is becoming more and more pagan, we're going to get more and more people lured into things that unknowingly, like a recent patient of mine, unknowingly entered, allowed herself to be exposed to certain so-called supposedly a medical intervention but actually got her into the third level, all right? And luckily, it's not the fourth one, which is the total possession. And this case is the one of the cases that I described earlier, where the person is totally taken over, okay? 
Um, hmm, okay. Oh, there. Thank you. All right. So, how do you differentiate now schizophrenia, which is a very common one that you would really mistake it for? With schizophrenia, let's go on this side first. With schizophrenia, there's usually some type of hallucination, all right? People will see things, they'll say to me, uh, okay, there are uh, ants crawling, and ants can crawl up the wall, but there's really nothing there, or there are uh, creatures that they are look like uh, all kinds of weird uh, demons and all stuff like that. But again, no one can verify nothing, nothing there that is uh, visible to the naked eye of anybody else. Uh, suspicious about their surrounding, they're usually, these people are very anxious. You will notice there's a sense of anxiety about them. And at the same time, total uh, suspiciousness about someone is out to get them or somebody is out to uh, hurt them. Olfactory hallucinations can also be common, and not only auditory hallucinations, hearing, smelling, seeing things that are not verifiable by anybody. And, that, and of course, they're refusing to go anywhere because they're so paranoid that something bad is going to happen. Suspicious even of animals and of objects or people around them, all right? How does that differ? Once again, if you're talking about diabolical infestation, usually there's more than just a patient who can validate that. Like the person from Maryland, when the person was saying uh, the, they are uh, banging right in the room and that they are shaking, uh, there's a shaking of the bed and all things of that nature, the daughter has actually, in order to verify, has lived there for, uh, tried to stay in a separate bed in the same room just to see if these things have really happened. She has lost many, uh, a lot of sleep in order to really validate if the mother actually had any kind of such manifestation and zero, nothing. And of course, as I said to you, the eyes of the individual revealed to me there's something really wrong with this person biochemically. That's a difference. When you have schizophrenia, when you have bipolar, there's a biochemical imbalance. And the good news is it's treatable. It is treatable by medication and, of course, and psychotherapy. So it's not as bad as people think. However, within the abolical infestation, obviously you need a priest to help you out in that particular case. I had a case in Fredericksburg. Uh, you will notice sometimes I'll mention Fredericksburg only because I, I tend to take my referrals of diabolical cases there because that's where I had a party. <laughs> I actually will help protect the patient. This particular individual came to me for depression and said to me, Dr. Costa, there's something I want to tell you, but I'm embarrassed to tell you because you might think I'm really crazy. I said, please, I'm here to listen to you. Just, just say it. My mother-in-law came by to visit. And thank you. And, uh, and she said, do you ever hear that there are kids running around along your hallway and there are people talking at night? And, and her eyes grew so big because she really didn't want to tell anybody because somebody could accuse her that she is going insane. So they were all having breakfast and she said, yes, you mean you heard it? You, you actually experienced it? She said, yes. And they were looking at the, the husband, the, meaning the, the 
uh, son of the woman and I honestly didn't want to tell you. I was so embarrassed. I, I would think that you would think that I'm, I, I'm insane, <laughs> okay? Nobody wanted to, to, to confess to the other, thinking that the other one would make a conclusion. But in all honesty, they all heard it. And they all indeed uh, got freaked out. So she asked me, would you be able to help me? I said, well, I think we need a Catholic priest. And uh, what again is your denomination? She happens to be Baptist. I said, I'm curious, have you ever gone to your pastor about this? said, oh, yes. And the pastor told me to look for a Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, all right. <laughs> and so here I am, I dialed my Catholic friend priest, and I said, Father, by any chance, are you available to help out the family? Sure, let them call me, and I'll arrange to go there. And guess what happened? The priest went there. Bless not only the home and bless also the land because apparently there were some bad things that happened in that land that they were unaware because these are newly built homes. And so af after the whole area was blessed, bingo, everything cleared up. Nothing else happened in that home, okay? So, and so again, there can be also not only uh, sounds, it could be a ver verifiable uh, foul smell, eerie images, and some of the things that my patients have seen are really uh, sounded like from a horror story, okay? And even animals, by the way, can be uh, actually infested. And um, uh, unusual evil, evil objects. I had a, a possession case of a woman uh, from Alexandria. And she, it was already the third time. She came from a retreat. And when she c came out of the retreat, the parents said, whoa, something happened there. Their daughter was not the daughter they dropped off prior to the retreat. And uh, uh, of course, the daughter happens, happened to be uh, saying all kinds of weird stuff. And so they honestly thought that she was psychotic. They said, how did we drop off a, a, a child who looked normal? And she was actually a young adult. And then suddenly pick her up and she was like psychotic. So what is the normal thing that these parents did? They took her to the ER. That sounds plausible, right? In the ER, they tried all kinds of medication, even antipsychotic medication. Of course, she had to be confined uh, and the inpatient. And then after that, uh, she apparently settled down and so seemingly got better, but not really, because the evil one can hide. This is what I want you to know. They can hide and manifest later. And so she again, manif uh, again manifested later. Well, what is it that I want to bring in relation to this? The family traveled all over the world. They are with the State Department. And they have collections of deities from different countries. And, and I look at them, and I had a priest with me because we visited the home upon the request of the family. Oh, my God you need to get rid of this. And immediately the mother said, no way, those are expensive. <laughs> I said, whoa, you'd rather compromise your own daughter for some of these collections, you know? And what else did we discover? Because the priest had to bless every uh, part of the home, we went down in the basement. The whole basement was full of pornographic material. No wonder. We said the spirit of lust really attacked this young girl, okay? 
So that's infestation, all right? Yes, just down. Oh, there you are. Yes, yes, Okay. The dissociative identity disorder is what we know also as manic depression. All right. Once again, usually with dissociative identity disorder, the individual can actually split, and uh, and actually you may the the person may not even recognize the person in front of them. Let me give you a quick example of that. I was dealing with a patient who actually was referred to me for migraine headaches, violent migraine headaches. And so I was trying to treat her for that, and I had no idea about her background. And then as, as, we were, uh, as I was treating her, I was trying to teach her on how to control their triggers for migraine and the typical protocol that you will have to deal with. Then I had to do some relaxation exercise just to help her to quiet, calm herself down. As soon as she started to relax, she opened her eyes and she said, Who are you? Well, I'm Dr. Acosta. I've been treating you. Where am I? Where's this place? She had no idea. She didn't recognize me. She didn't recognize. So the, my next question is, Who are you? Could you please tell me your name? And she gave me a different name from the registered name that the patient that I've been treating. Right there, I had to obviously find out. Of course, I had to calm her down, assure her that she was in a safe place, ask the companion to come in and help her be assured because that companion has been a long-time roommate. And when we got her settled down, she was, of course, very, very apologetic because she relaxed again and was able to come back to herself. And I felt so bad for her because she was so embarrassed that she actually, the other identity showed up in our office. The people with, uh, with dissociative identity disorder usually have had some serious trauma. These individuals have had some kind of, all kinds of physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, verbal abuse, all kinds of stuff that have happened, abandonment issues, things that are really people wouldn't even think, but as a result, in order for them to survive the horrific ordeal of the ongoing events in the home, they have to learn to split themselves, and that's why we call it dissociation, okay? The voices of those individuals could change, but they're not like the diabolical. The voices could go back to a regressive little girl, because I've had a case like that, went to a little, little girl, very impish, because that's where the trauma started when she was a little girl. Or of course, it could be any phase in the life of that particular patient. And there could be, of course, uh, uh, rational behavior, again, due to trauma. Usually, there's no specific attack on religious objects, all right? And its personality, of course, happens to fulfill a need on that particular patient. And the eyes of these individuals that tend to be more on the anxious side. How does that compare with diabolical possession? Once again, as I, the examples I gave you earlier, these individuals are, of course, the same person, but something else comes out of that individual. And that complete distortion of that individual, again, is uh, suddenly manifest. I had a young girl referred to me, about nine years old. She was, uh, you will notice as I, by the way, just for qualification, 
my book actually contains, it contains all real cases, but I have to change the ages. Some men were made into women and some women were made into men. <laughs> this is for to hide identity of my patients, okay? So if you notice that I will mention different ages, uh, this is arbitrary because that means they're young, okay, or they're old. And that indeed this nine-year-old was referred to me because the mother said that the child is defiant and would smear, please forgive me, um, feces around all over the room, wherever she happens to be, and would mind doing her number one or number two, wherever. And so the mother thought this is very bizarre. So said to me, could I please, uh, could I have you see my daughter? I said, sure, no problem. So set up an appointment. The daughter came into the office originally. The secretary said that she was fine. As soon as I introduced myself to this child, whoa, guess what came out of this little girl's voice? An elderly man guttural, deep, deep, eerie voice, and I said, whoa, now I understand the, the, the erratic behavior that are described by the mother, and that indeed the personality totally changes. Not only are we talk about really just bizarre, it's really out of, I guess you can say there have been good acting in some of the movies that you've seen, and yes, they're very much similar to those. A strong aversion to religious objects or individuals. An evil personality manifests to torture indeed the individual that's been possessed. And the eyes, of course, as I mentioned to you, this is very, very classic. The eyes would be dar darting and then it will yeah. rest. The pupil will rest at the top of the eyes, okay? So you pretty much see most of the sclera, all right? All right, next. Could you just put it on? No, I just did. Oh, there, there. I think we got it. Okay, thank you. Uh -huh. All right, so in general, just so you have a clear picture of the different, uh, I, I made an acronym. I like acronyms. And that I decided that these are the key features of psychotic individuals and key features of a diabolical possession. So you can see, just use the term uh, psychotic. The flat affect is the first one. Suspiciousness and delusional uh, presence. When I use the word yelling, glaring eyes, uh, this is different from, um, I guess, uh, I, I mentioned to you about the eyes of the uh, possession. This one is like, have you ever seen individuals who have thyroid problem? Okay, all right. Individuals could have thyroid problem. In fact, I had a case today I look at her from the uh, waiting room and I said, there's a biochemical imbalance here. Either there's a thyroid problem or she happens to be a bipolar. That's, those are the two that I was entertaining. So during the interview, I found out that she was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. Uh, and so that's where the eyes are sort of bulging. Okay, so that, uh, but of course, in this particular case, there's no thyroid problem. Okay, just the person is just really literally glaring at you. There are hallucinations, confusion, erratic behavior. They're out of touch of reality. And we, of course, we call that delusion. Threatening, dangerous behavior. Oh my gosh. 
inpatient will really wake you up quickly. I was an inpatient uh, in a, a Catholic hospital in the Philippines, and one of our psychotic ma manic patient happened to dis dismantle our shower. You mean a tall, strong guy, now with an ammunition. We were in trouble, okay? So, luckily, we have very trained staff. The aides came to our rescue because we said, oh, we have to keep the other patients safe. What do we do? There's this individual just came out of the shower and came with, with an ammunition, a piece of metal. So, what did the uh, aides do? They got uh, uh, the, the, the different uh, mattresses, and guess what? They formed a wall. <laughs> They moved this way in harmony until they pinned the individual back against the wall. And then once he was back against the wall, he, we were able to disarm him and able to inject him an antipsychotic medication and got him down. Otherwise, whoo, who knows what would happen today had we not been, had our aides not been so quick on their feet and finding ways to actually protect the other patients. They can be very, very irrational and incoherent in their speech, and of course, there's confusion and disorientation, all right? Now, diabolical, the word diabolic, okay? I think the L is missing there. Uh, is of course, we have uh, the demonic theme in their speech, in their thought process, in, in terms of their behavior. The irrational, vile, and very much blasphemous type of speech. Abnormally darting eyes, bizarre foreboding demonic let me just say this to you the ominous repulsive re uh, reaction against holy objects it cannot be denied the name of jesus christ or anything that's religious they actually react very very strongly the lowered guttural animalistic or ear in human sound that cannot be denied either because that will just really it will make you hand with your your hair really stand it's like I need to get out of here. Hello, <laughs> feeling, you know. But, you know, of course you can't because you have to protect the, the patient. Chili, dropping of a room temperature, again, which may or may not accompany, but there's usually a, also some peculiar stench. And aware of a hidden uh, inf information that can be, uh, let's see now, the hidden information. All right. Okay. Anyway, I'm trying to remember what the L is. <laughs> I don't memorize it. All right. Uh -huh. All right. That's okay. No problem. That's okay. Uh, maybe you can just leave it a little bit. All right. Well, never mind. <laughs> Doesn't matter now. All right. Let's go now to the next one. Thank you. All right. You have here classic pictures. Is it diabolical or is it psychological? I don't think you have to think twice, do you? All right. <laughs> All right. So the person uh, that I wanted to describe uh, happened to be a, pay a referral from uh, North Carolina. And this person was uh, very fast moving. Uh, she, wants, she was talking very fast. Her speech was very much pressured. And she was trying to give me a long, long history. She had a binder this thick. You name it, Father Groeschels, different exorcists, Father... Uh, uh, you, she tries to look for what we call famous names to put in her binder. She has this much information. She searched and searched and searched for people who would listen to her. 
and diagnose her as diabolical. Why these people go through that is really beyond my comprehension. This individual, I knew something was wrong because her speech was very, very fast. Her eyes again was like glaring at me. And she said, can we pray? I said, sure. Well, we all knelt down to pray. And what did she do? She was, she was in the kneeling position, immediately went to the front. She wanted to be at the, at the, at the front of the group. And I say, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I said, this individual needs to be further evaluated because she wants to convince me. Let me tell you, over the phone, she sounded surreal. She described me such horrific experience that I could consider very plausible that she could have been diabolically possessed. But upon meeting her in person, that faded. Because right in front of me was a clinical case of somebody with a, 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 a bordering or with a psychosis, but definitely a manic patient. Okay? Now, for the benefit, are you familiar with the terms I'm using here? Schizophrenia, mania, okay? So I hope I'm not, if you ever get into any question that is not clear, please raise your hand. But at any rate, she, I asked her, do you have any history of also being depressed? Oh, no, 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 no way. <laughs> she was always very holy, always in the church, always volunteering. She would do all kinds of volunteer work because she had so much energy. Then so I said, something is not quite right with this picture. Would you mind if your husband were to be interviewed? I said, no problem. So I had to sign a release, make sure that the husband was interviewed privately and another time because, again, she's coming all the way from North Carolina. So then I interviewed the husband. Ah, there I found out. Whenever she was depressed, she would hide in the closet, be staying there for days, would not be eating, she would be crying relentlessly and just poor me, woe me. And then to the outside world, they have no idea. She just disappeared. Oh, she's a volunteer, so she was just not available. So nobody knew this other side of her. And obviously, that indeed clearly spelled that she had all the symptoms of mania. She had all the symptoms of the other side, which is the depression, and of course, a diagnosis of bipolar. Would you think she would be happy to finally have a diagnosis? No. When I referred her to see a psychiatrist, oh boy, did I get somebody who was so angry with me. <laughs> and that's not very unusual, by the way. I've had so many death threats in my life. I'm surprised I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to goodness, I would say, okay. One patient was sitting right across me, a big guy, and wanted to kill um, his girlfriend. And I said, you are not leaving my office. Make me. And I said, I will. <laughs> I said, and then right there he said to me and said, I'm going to kill you. I said, and what did I say? You have no power over me. And you have. When you have intimidation going on, you need to come back. Because if you cave in, you're in trouble. Okay? So I know God is looking after me. <laughs> so I said, there's somebody out there who is more powerful than you, okay? I don't, you can threaten me all you want, but I'm not scared. So at any rate, with this kind of cases, the, the, the psychotic patients tend to be very angry at me for diagnosing them. I had a schizophrenic patient who said to me, 
you claim yourself to be a doctor. Where on earth did you get your diploma? You know, where did you graduate? And I said, I have legitimate diploma. <laughs> what do you do with these individuals? You don't argue with them. You just very calmly respond to the question and I say, may I please refer you to a psychiatrist? This is the end of the session. No more. I don't see ever these patients again because they do not want to see a psychiatrist to be properly diagnosed. They would rather look for another clinician who will believe their story and hopefully somebody will diagnose them as diabolical. All right? Now, the diabolical cases, as you very well know, many of you have seen many, many movies. Uh, what are some of the ones that come to your mind? Yes, The Exorcist of Emily Rose. The Exorcist. The right. Okay, so these are more recent ones. Of course, The Exorcist is way back. But these are ones that are really portraying true diabolical case and you can see it right there in those eyes it's really hard to look at them to be honest with you because there's something staring back at you all right but once again i told you about do not allow the evil one to intimidate you you need to look back straight to that individual i know i'm very tiny right <laughs> but don't fool be fooled by my small size because thank god god sent me for self-defense course and so I can actually I'm trained to kill <laughs> so when patients say to me they want to kill me well I hope you don't but if you do you're in for it you're in for something <laughs> let me tell you why it's important to pray I had a diabolical case that was I think I was framed because I reported uh, this is another hospital where I reported uh, there was sexual abuse going on of our beautiful patients in inpatient, and that infuriated me. So there was the head nurse involved and a few other nursing, uh, nursing aides. And obviously, I had to report it, and get, what did I get? Retaliation. The individual, uh, it was night shift, and I remember I was fixing medication, and suddenly there was this person glaring at me, huge person. Uh oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I said, please help, help quickly, what do you want me to do? I don't want to hurt this patient because I'm supposed to protect a patient, right? But I'm in trouble right now. I don't want to get killed either. So, <laughs> and so what happened was that as soon as she came to attack me, Quickly, my self-defense came to the rescue. I was able to twist her arms behind her back. I was able to pin her down and started shouting for the aid. <laughs> and then I, they were looking at me like, how did you do that? Don't ask any questions. Where were you? Where all, all of you were sleeping. <laughs> I was furious, you know. And of course, just typical, I reported them. But I knew I was framed because I reported the people and I, they were retaliating at me. I knew it was time to leave there because I was no longer safe in that hospital. So this is again the difference. Diabolical, you need to have discerning eyes and I will share with you some of the ways that, that can help you with that, all right? You know, in my office, I always have to make the sign of cross in anything. <laughs> I'm just Xeroxing something, and I have to make the sign of cross. I'm just sending a fax, I have yeah. the sign of the cross. Thank you. <laughs> so now, what are some of the doors? Now, I want you to pay attention to this, because many times, 
people don't even pay attention to some of the things that happen. Some of you may have been introduced to say, hey, let's play a game. You're having a party, and what is that? Let's play a Ouija board. Uh-oh, do not play. Because one of my patients said, when they asked, who are you? The, the cop started spelling D-E-V-I-L, and they all <laughs> ran out of the room because the, the individual, I mean, whoever, the spirit uh, manifested itself. Playing with Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering cards, and other kind of, uh, you know, I call them occultic games. This is very, very, uh, uh, I guess, popular among men, among boys. And I, I cannot, I could not possibly convince one particular patient who is really, really, I guess I can easily say, he is so hooked up on the Dungeons and Dragons. And he has a group of friends and they play together. And let me tell you, you just invited the enemy into your home, all right? And a good uh, story about the Magic the Gathering cards, because these are very beautiful cards. I don't know if you're familiar with this. They really have beautiful nature sceneries. They have, but the most powerful and most points happen to be the one with the black silhouette. And guess what's on the cards? They are curses. You actually inflict curse on each other, unknowingly, all right? So there was this mother I met in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and she was sharing with me the story about um, her twins. There happened to be twin boys, and she said to the twin boys, where on earth did you get these cards? Immediately the boys were saying, mom, that's expensive. I used my, my birthday money for that. I, 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 that's, my, that's mine. No, the mother explained, these these cards are bad for you. Your soul is more important than whatever money you spend for this card. So she explained to them how they indeed that you're actually putting a curse on each other. So they were willing to burn the, uh, the cards. And so then these two boys went to a Boy Scout camp. Guess what? One of their friends brought in the Magic the Gathering cards. And then so the twins said to the friend, not good. What should we do? Well, they decided to throw it into the bonfire where everybody was gathered. Whoa! As soon as they throw the cards, a big, hum a humongous, evil, silhouetted black image came out of the, of the fire. And obviously, even the adults freaked out. They all ran <laughs> because they said, because this thing just came out of nowhere. And it validated there is evil with some of these games, and you have to really keep an eye on what you're playing. Did you consult a psychic, a palm reader, a channel, or a spiritist? Did you participate in witchcraft? I have to warn you, this area, all the way, this Northern Virginia, we have witches associations. In fact, I was invited to give a talk in Warrington because they are very active. But it's not the only place, by the way. I was, uh, I was invited there because of the problems of the witches. They are organized, they actually advertise, and they actually have their newsletters, okay? I wouldn't be surprised if they have Facebook also, okay? <laughs> All right, and getting involved in Black Mass, Devil Worship, an anti-God organization, horoscopes and astrology. I know some of you would probably say, oh, Dr. Costa, 
they're just fun. I don't believe them. Well, why, why even bother? If that's going to be an, an inroad for the evil one, don't even, don't even go there. Enjoying watching TV, movies, and video games. If you are one of those that love the thrill of all the horror stories, watch out. Because one of my patients happened to have that in the, her history. And she was a full possession case. All right? It will sound to you that it sounds like, why, why are you saying that? We play video games, nothing happens to us. I mean, there are certain individuals who are more predisposed because of some family history, some doors. Like, for example, one particular patient, as I dug into the history, they, they actually had witches about three generations, according to the parents. Okay? So you do not know what kind of history you have, and you do not know what, how vulnerable you are. And, and these video games, by the way, are so... I'm so sorry that many of my, uh, the parents I speak, uh, that, who I advise in my office, they'll say to me, Dr. Casa, this is not a problem. Uh, it's, just, it's just a game. It keeps them occupied. Actually, they're not in any trouble. Why? They're being used as babysitters. All these video games are used currently now because the kids are not interrupting the parents. The parents can do whatever they want for four, six, eight hours, and the kids are just there glued on the video games. That, there's a problem. If you don't want it on the diabolical side, you can do it on the ADHD side. I can assure you, I will diagnose you later with an ADD problem, okay? Because of the way you're programming your brain. And of course, tarot cards and other satanic activities that you could be possibly exposed. Okay, what yes. They're, ju they're just, again, for uh, how many of you have exposed to it? Maybe you can explain it more, yes? Uh -huh. um, tarot cards are fortune telling cards. Um, basically, you can't find really rules game. I've never played it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can explain it. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. All right. What are the ways now you can protect yourself? Which is basically, we are a Catholic community here, and this is what's important. How many of you are right now wearing a sacramental? All right. For those of you who are not wearing a sacramental, I have some bronze capillaries here. <laughs> we have. We have some priests here who can bless them. <laughs> and hopefully you will also be inducted into it later. You need protection. And Our Lady, our Blessed Mother, is such a wonderful, wonderful intercessor. I suggest you wear a scapular, uh, a, 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 a miraculous medal, uh, there are some people wear a crucifix, a three-way cross, you know what I mean. Wear a sacramental. It's going to be your protection. In fact, 
It is so critical in this day and age. And some people say, well, yeah? Yes, sure, St. Benedict medal is wonderful. In fact, you will notice in the back of my book, I have the used picture of St. Benedict because I just said, St. Benedict, I need your help because I'm dealing with the evil one and you have been really the patron for that, you know. So I, I ask for his help whenever I deal with some of these cases. So are there some other kinds of, of, of uh, medals that come to your mind that you could be using? All right, well, I think I'm dealing with Catholic communities, so you know what I'm talking about, all right? You need to wear sacramentals. They are very critical to protect you. In fact, I say to my patients who are sometimes having very bad thoughts, grab your crucifix, grab your uh, miraculous medal, say a prayer, and that instantly gets rid of the bad elements that are really attacking them at that moment, okay? We have the frequent reception with the sacraments, I cannot overemphasize the healing sacrament of confession. This is so such a beautiful gift given to us by Jesus Christ. You need to go to confession frequently. And we are in the, we are in the Lenten season, and that can be even more emphasized. They have how many days a week that they actually have confessions here? Is it every day? Seven days a week. You can go fully go to confession. I don't mean for you to be going every day, of course, but please, if you haven't gone to confession in a long time, please go to confession. The evil one will not have any grip on you because you are purified, okay? Confession is so healing. If, you, uh, if I were you, I would go on a monthly confession, or some people do it weekly, but I thought you were really getting closer to becoming a saint. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do like to go weekly. So I'm not so sure what you can confess on a weekly basis, but at any rate, go frequently. And then that way, when you receive the Holy Eucharist, you can receive the Holy Eucharist with such love and such reverence. You are a pure vessel that the Lord will use. So I would like for you to please frequent the sacraments, okay? Visitation of the Blessed Sacrament. You know very well, this is uh, often, uh, very often brought up, can you stay an hour with me, our Lord is saying. And most of us can spend hours in front of television, hours in front of video games, hours hanging out with friends while drinking, hours singing, uh, all kind of having fun. An hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that's not that boring? No. If you like to sunbathe and you get beautiful coloring on the outside, well, how would you like to have the beautiful coloring in the inside? You are going to be awesome, right? <laughs> you talk about not just having the nice tan, you are going to be glowing because the Lord is going to be revealing himself through you. Visiting the Blessed Sacrament have made many people become saints. If you, I don't, if you really don't have a full hour, what about half an hour? What about 15 minutes? And sometimes, really, if I'm just in a rush and I really say, you, I just stop and say, Lord, I just want to tell you, I love you. Well, isn't that so beautiful to, to tell someone, I love you? How many times have you said that to the Lord, that I love you? The Lord is always waiting, and he is so much alone. 
alone in the tabernacle with no one inside the church to say I love you to him. Pay a visit to the Lord and tell him how much you love him, okay? Next, have a strong prayer life. Now, some people will say, I don't even do a morning prayer and a night prayer. Please start at least with what we call bookends of your life, okay? A morning prayer and a night prayer, and in between, you are taken care of by God, all right? You need to have at least those in place. And obviously, God willing, you also do some other extras such as the powerful rosary. I remember a friend of mine, whenever he's being attacked with the evil one, he'll say, okay, you keep it up with it, I'll pray more rosaries. Suddenly, everything stops. <laughs> the evil one hates the rosary. Oh, and dreads our blessed lady. So, the rosary is very powerful. So, don't think it's oh, just one of those repetitious, you know, prayer. said, no. It is, if you remember the Battle of Lepanto, it is an instrument to fight the enemy, and it is powerful. I cannot overemphasize that, all right? Seek spiritual guidance. This is very critical. Oh, by the way, in relation to prayer, if you have a chance, I don't know if you do the liturgy of the hour, it, those are beautiful psalms that you will read there. If I were you, I would really, really encourage that also. Maybe, I don't know if you have morning and evening prayers around here. If you do, join them. Get sort of exposed to it. It's really intimidating initially because it's sort of confusing. You go to this page, you go to that page. But once you get a hang of it, it's really, really a beautiful prayer. Seek spiritual guidance. You are so blessed. You have priests right here on your campus. You have, obviously, priests out there. Father Faisano, I envy you. Father Faisano, who used to be our, the pastor there at St. Andrew the Apostle in Clifton, he gave awesome homilies and great spiritual direction. And obviously, you have also Father Carr and all the other priests in the surrounding uh, churches. You are very, very blessed because you are surrounded with priests who are not only holy, they really give great spiritual direction. Take advantage of that because everybody needs some kind of direction. And you know what I tell the, the patients? It's free. <laughs> you don't need an insurance. <laughs> if you don't have an insurance card, no problem. It's free. Okay. And your priest will take you to heaven. That's the best part of it. Okay. All right. Uh, going back to uh, go, getting to heaven, I love what Father Pepe said one day. You know the beautiful thing about the brown scapular? You know there's a promise with it, you know? Is that it's a kind of insurance that you don't pay any kind of, uh, you don't have to pay anything indeed, there's no premium to be paid, but it is guaranteed that you wear it fervently and devoutly, you are not going to hell. How about that? That is a promise of Our Lady for the brown scapular. That's why I always take along brown scapulars with me. All right, listening to live, uh, reading religious material. This is beautiful. We are in the year of faith. And this is really, I'm so happy that Pope Benedict actually uh, uh, gave this particular year to really focus on reaching out to each other, to our, our fellow Catholics. There are many, many Catholics who are only in name. And mind you, pay attention. Pay attention to your roommate. Pay attention to your classmate. There are people who are actually floundering out there. Don't take it very lightly. They are in need of help. And a little book, 
just on confession, a little book on visitor lesson sacrament. <laughs> drop here and drop there, okay? And you know what? You never can tell. Somebody might pick it up. And next thing you know, they're back to the church and really, really into it. Please, please read, listen to some of the uh, DVDs, CDs available out there. And nowadays, my gosh, with the YouTube, you know, <laughs> there's so many things available out there, including, of course, all the different Catholic websites. <laughs> it was so funny. One time, I was looking at somebody. He was using his, uh, his uh, I guess he has an iPhone. He was scrolling and said, what is he doing using a phone right here in the church? And actually, it's actually the liturgy of the hours actually there <laughs> in, in, in the iPhone. And he was praying. I said, oh, okay, you know. And I, I thought I was going to uh, uh, being scandalized, but I hope I didn't scandalize anyone bringing my laptop. In fact, I was asked to leave one of the churches. I was, I was having a, an interaction with our Lord and typing like crazy that one chapter. And then somebody tapped me and said, Take that, uh, take that outside and don't bring it back again. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I wasn't about to argue with the, with the deacon, and I thought to myself, okay, he has no idea what I'm doing. However, God knows what I'm doing, and please forgive me, Lord, if I scandalize anyone, you know. Or surround yourself with awesome, spiritually-minded Catholics. You need to do that. Remember, birds of a feather flock together. Those, sooner or later, the people you hang out with, you are going to be like them. I remember this teenage girl that I was seeing in therapy. She was being dropped off with the mother every summer to just hang out in the mall, unsupervised. Guess who she and her girlfriend met? The gangs. This beautiful, demure homeschool girl Used to have long skirts, beautifully attired, very sweet. Came back to me with, whoa, the color of the stunning hair, black nail polish, oh, just the eyes. I said, what happened to you? Well, I'm sorry, I'm here because I belong to a gang now. I said, how on earth did you do that? She said, well, I was just hanging out in the mall thinking that I was befriended by some of these guys. And she started just flirting with them. And next thing you know, she was being invited to some events. And next thing you know, it led one to another to another. Not only did she join a gang, she was on drugs. She was actually abusing alcohol. You name it, she was doing it. And so you need to be careful. Even though people say, I'm not going to be like them. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just on the lookout. I'm just, I'm just uh, being the responsible one. Trust me. Sooner or later, because remember, they are very busy people. Not people. I'm sorry. They're very busy spirits out there who would love for you to be down. And if you don't pay attention, those spirits are really out to get you down. So pay attention to your environment. Pay attention to the people around you and hang out only with the awesome, the wonderful, the very Christ-like friends who really you can turn to in times of trouble, okay? So that way they can guide you the right kind, they can give you the right kind of guidance that you really need to hear also, okay?
All right. In the end, <laughs> okay. oh, there you are. In the end, <laughs> the most powerful, the name that the evil one cringes and dreads and runs as fast as they can away from is our Lord Jesus Christ. And as one of the movies that I watched not too long ago, I was so happy at the end of the movie, I said, Viva Cristo Rey! I was so excited because there I saw the people in Mexico who really fought to keep their faith alive. And I pray to God, you and I will persevere in the midst of this darkness surrounding you, that you are going to be the light in this world, that you are going to be the light that is not hidden in a bushel basket, but sitting on top of a table or a tower, or the people up there, <laughs> that you are radiating in light, and you're going to draw people to the Lord just for your mere presence. I challenge each one of you. This is Lenten season. Proclaim through fasting. Fasting, by the way, is very powerful. If you have not fasted for a particular intention, trust me, try it. It works like wonders. I mean, don't forgive me. I don't mean it to be like a <laughs> like superstitious type. I mean, you really fast for a very good intention, and guess what happens? Fasting and prayer, like our Lord Jesus Christ said, will actually make things change. And if I were you, start it now. This is the Lenten season. Do some fasting, some offering of something, give up something, I hope, you know. <laughs> and if you have to give up some friends who are really toxic to you, sometimes it may have to go to that, okay? Give up some people that might be leading you in the wrong path. Give up video games that could also lead you in the wrong direction. Whatever it is, give it up during these 40 days of Lent. And I can assure you, by Easter, you're going to be a totally transformed person. Truly a Catholic that we can all be very proud of. Thank you so much, and God bless you.